coming up on The Overcoming Life with Jimmy Evans. Rather than us being influenced by the world, we need to be influencing the world. Rather than other people drawing us unto sin, we need to draw other people into righteousness and to Jesus Christ. In other words, we can get on offense or defense. We need to be on offense. We need to live our lives intentionally for the purpose of glorifying God, being prepared when Jesus comes, and taking as many people with us to heaven as we possibly can. This is Luke 17. This is Jesus now, beginning in verse 26. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be on the day the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, in that night, there will be two people in one bed. This is the rapture. The one will be taken, the other will be left. Two women will be grinding together. The one will be taken, the other left. Two men will be in the field. The one will be taken, the other left. And so Jesus said, now when I come and rapture you, because this is a graphic description of the rapture. He says, when I come and rapture you, it will be just like the days of Noah, just before he got on the ark, and just like the days of Lot, just before he was taken out of the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he's talking about a very immoral culture. There are four parallels between our culture and the cultures of Noah and Lot. The first has a business as, as, as usual attitude in the world today, and it is. There, the, the world is acting as though things are gonna go on forever. There's no fear of God. They're buying, they're selling, they're marrying, and they're giving in marriage, living very immoral lives. The second parallel is a refusal to listen to the voice of truth, a rejection of truth. This is what, listen, uh, we'll read a scripture here in just a minute that talks about the fact that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Did you know that Noah was a preacher of righteousness and he never had one convert? In the world of Noah and Lot, Lot was also a righteous man who was sharing the truth with Sodom and Gomorrah. Did you know between Lot and Noah, neither one of them had one convert? Because the world they lived in was so hardened to truth, and this is the world that we're seeing today. The third parallel is a sudden removal of the righteous from among the wicked. Now, let me say something to you now, because the, when people tell me that we're gonna go through the tribulation, I, I believe it's a very ignorant statement, and I believe it's a very dangerous statement. First of all, because it goes against the words of Jesus. Now, I wanna ask you a question. How many raindrops hit Noah's head? Let me answer that, zero. Noah was put on the ark before the rain ever began, and God shut the door of the ark. Noah didn't shut the door. God shut the door and sealed them in there. And then the rain came and never a drop of rain. In other words, no judgment came on Noah and his family. Zero, none. Okay, let me ask you a question. So how many, it's the truth, I'm just telling you. Jesus is the one giving the parallel. And the other thing is how many hailstones of fire and brimstone hit 
while Lot and his family were in Sodom and Gomorrah? The answer is zero. The angel came in to Sodom and Gomorrah, and the angel said, we must take you out of here because judgment can't fall till you're gone. Listen, judgment can't fall on the world until we're gone. And I'm talking about the wrath of God. And so, I just lost, lost my mind. That was such a good point, I lost my microphone. So let me, let me get it back here. Excuse me for just a minute. So, the fourth is cataclysmic judgment. And this is, this is not just judgment, it's the wrath of God. And, and again, in Noah's world, a flood came on the world that destroyed every single person. This is cataclysmic judgment. This is not just bad things happening or wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and famines. This is cataclysmic. In the case of Lot's world, it was fire and brimstone, hailstones of fire and brimstone that came down from heaven and destroyed every single human being. So I want to read you a couple of scriptures here. And again, every chapter in the book of 1 Thessalonians mentions the coming of Christ. And it's in the book of 1 Thessalonians that we're told that we're not going to go through wrath. The tribulation is not judgment. The tribulation is the wrath of Almighty God poured out on the earth. And one judgment in the book of Revelation kills a third of mankind. That's in Revelation 9.15. One judgment. This is why at the end of the tribulation, there's no buying and selling, marrying and giving in marriage. There is no economy. Billions of people have died. The earth is a smoldering ruin. That's not business as usual. It's business as usual before judgment hits. But this is First uh, Thessalonians 1, verse 9. They themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Somebody say amen. amen. Jesus is gonna deliver us from the wrath that's to come. This is 1 Thessalonians 5 and this is also a very graphic scripture. Verse 9 of 1 Thessalonians 5. God did not appoint us to wrath but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you're doing. So I wanna, I wanna comfort you if I can and I wanna edify you. We're not gonna go through the tribulation because God hasn't appointed us to wrath. He's not gonna judge us along with the world, okay? So we are gonna be taken in the rapture and while the world is going through seven years of hell on earth, and billions of people are dying and, and, and being tormented, we will be marrying Jesus in heaven. Now that's comforting. But let me, let me comfort you in another way. Uh, we're gonna go through the tribulation. Most of us will die. Few of us will live. Your children will be going through the tribulation too. That, anybody comforted here? Yeah, zero, zero percent comfort rate on that statement right there. And so you can't comfort people by telling them they're going to go through the tribulation. But the comfort is Jesus is coming for us. He's not going to leave us alone. He's not going to leave us here on the earth as he's pouring out his wrath. We are not appointed to wrath. Be comforted by that and comfort other people with that. It's a beautiful thing. And so all of those things, the parallels between Noah and Lot's day, they're true for our world. Well, let's look at Noah's world for just a minute specifically. And this is Genesis chapter six talking about Noah's world. It says, this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God and Noah begot, begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth was also corrupt before God 
and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. The word for corrupt there that God used is the Hebrew word shakath. It means evil, filthy, and immoral. Does that sound like the world we live in right now? God, God looked down on the, the world of Noah, and it wasn't just a bad world, it was an evil world. It was a filthy world, like the world that we're living in today. And God looked down, and the reason that he judged it, by the way, it was filled with violence and immorality, just like our world is today. The world is full of it. This is Lot's world, and again, it goes into detail about Lot's world. It says in 2 Peter 2, if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemning them to destruction, making them an example to those afterward who would live ungodly, and delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment, and especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority. They are presumptuous and self-willed. Well, that's pretty detailed there about the world of Lot, but it uses a word there, and the word is filthy, and the word for filthy is the Greek word asolgeia. It means licentious, sexually immoral, an insatiable desire for pleasure with absolutely no fear of God whatsoever. If you remember, when the angels came in to deliver Lot and his family, the men of Sodom and Gomorrah tried to force themselves on the angels. So that's how ungodly they were, and that's what it was like in the days of Lot. And so God looked down on the world in the days of Lot, and it was just like our world. And his answer was severe cataclysmic judgment, which is coming on the world very soon. God looked down at the world of Noah, and it was an immoral and violent world, just like our world is right now. Jesus used a direct parallel between those two worlds, and he poured out cataclysmic judgment that's about to happen in the world right now. Now, let me read you an even more graphic description of our world, and this is a prophecy given by Paul to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Listen to what Paul says about what's going to happen in the last days to morality in the world. But know this, in the last days, perilous times will come. Now, now listen to see, these are 19 descriptions of people in the last days. Listen to see if you agree that this is the way people are in the world today. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, and always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. So as Jonas and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth, men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith. And what the Apostle Paul is talking about here is the wholesale deconstruction of morality in the world. Let me say something. This wasn't true when I was a boy. 
It was just simply a different world than you see today. We had three TV stations, you know, ABC, NBC, CBS, uh, and they went off at 10 o'clock at night with an Indian head, if you're, those of you remember that, <laughs> with a beep all night long. We're seeing who all the old people are out here now. So, but it was just, it was just a different world. And you just assumed your neighbors were Christians. You assumed your teachers were Christians. It was just simply different. We prayed in the name of Jesus every day at the school I went to. Okay, uh, elementary, junior high, and high school. It was just simply a different. And people were generally moral. There were immoral people, but people were generally moral. Okay, And so today we see a, com a complete rejection of that, especially since the internet. In the last 10 or 20 years, we've seen a lot of changes. And so why, the Apostle Paul uses 19 different measures of the immorality of the end times. He says, understand this, in the end times, dangerous times will come because men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, all of these things. He just goes into great detail. Well, why does he use 19? First of all, it explains the full spectrum of immorality. Immorality isn't just about sexuality. Immorality is about our character. And when a person becomes immoral, it affects every fiber of their character. It's like cancer. Once you become immoral, it just goes into every area of your being. It also, uh, and let me say this, morals protect. The reason for morals is the protection of relationship. See, if I'm a moral person, I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm not gonna lash out you and say something terrible about you. I'm not gonna lie about you. I'm not gonna uh, blaspheme your character. I'm not gonna steal from you. I'm not gonna seduce your wife or try to take your wife away from you. Anything, I'm not gonna steal your money. If I'm a moral person, it just simply means you're safe around me. Your family is safe around me. People are safe. If I'm an immoral person, I'm gonna damage you. Immorality destroys people's lives. The second reason Paul uses 19, it explains why God hates immorality and will judge it so severely. Immorality devastates. That's why the Apostle Paul says, beware, in the last days, dangerous times are gonna come. These are dangerous times. We're living in dangerous times right now because people do not have moral restraints. People get mad at work, come back and shoot somebody. It's just a very, very dangerous world. Godly people shouldn't be haughty and proud. Godly people should exalt God over them and should be humble people. And by the way, 1 Peter 5 says, clothe yourself with humility. You know why the Bible says to clothe yourself with humility? Because you don't have it on naturally, you have to put it on. We're, we're prideful. Part of our sin nature is we're prideful. And one of the decisions that we need to make daily is I'm gonna put on humility and walk with humility. And this here's what it means. It's not about me, it's about Jesus. It's not about everybody thinking something better of me, it's thinking uh, other people thinking more highly of Jesus. And I'm not gonna walk around promoting myself. I'm gonna exalt Jesus. And one of the most important things about praise and worship is it exalts God above us. Amen. And it reminds us it's not about us. I was reading the Bible one day and I saw in the book of Revelation, it says there was a sea of worshipers that no one could count and it was a, like a crystal glass and they were all worshiping God. And I was reading that scripture and here's, here's the thought that went through my mind when I read it. It wasn't about me, it's not about me, it never will be about me, it's about Jesus, get over yourself, Jimmy. It's not about me. When we get to heaven, it won't be, it's about Jesus. And let me say something, I'm not worthy for it to be about me. And there's only one person who's worthy, that's our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And as believers, we should not be arrogant, narcissistic kind of a, a person that draw attention to ourselves. We need to exalt Jesus. This is what Jesus said. I'm almost finished. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 5. He said, you're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your fathers in heaven. And I just want to say, as we're living in these last days, we need to be a light to the world. Our life needs to show somebody else the way to God. And this is the way to say it. Rather than us being influenced by the world, we need to be influencing the world. Rather than other people drawing us unto sin, we need to draw other people into righteousness and to Jesus Christ. In other words, we can get on offense or defense. We need to be on offense. We need to live our lives intentionally for the purpose of glorifying God, being prepared when Jesus comes, and taking as many people with us to heaven as we possibly can. So let me close by saying this, something about Noah and Lot. They were both preachers of righteousness, and they were both examples of how to live your life in these kinds of times. And the first thing is to be bold about your faith. Noah and Lot were both bold about their faith in the evil times that they were living in. In other words, rather than being ashamed and rather than being fearful of unbelievers, they were bold. Uh, Mark chapter eight, here's what Jesus said. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the son of man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels. Let me tell you something. I'm not ashamed of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of the Holy Spirit. I'm not ashamed of the word of God. I'm not ashamed of the standards of the word of God. I'm ashamed of the sin that I lived in before I came to Jesus. The other thing I want to say is don't envy sinners or be deceived by them. And I want you to think about the day before the flood and the day after. Arrogant, ungodly people strutting around, acting as though there was no end and they could get away with anything they wanted and no fear of God whatsoever. But Noah and his family went in and God shut the door and the rain started. And Noah and his family, I don't know how many days, heard the beating of people against the outside of the ark pleading for them to get in. Let me say this. The day after the flood started, Noah looked like a genius. There had never been rain on the earth and he was building a massive ship on dry ground. Can you imagine the mockery? Can you imagine how foolish he looked? Every time somebody saw that ship, it was just like another joke was told. But on the day that the rain started, he looked like a genius. And your family may be mocking you, your friends may be mocking you and making fun of your faith, but the day after the rapture, you're gonna look like a genius. Lot, the angels came in to get Lot and his family and the men of Sodom and Gomorrah tried to force themselves on them. They were arrogant, they were ungodly, they had no fear of God whatsoever. They uh, insulted and, uh, and, and tried to force themselves on Lot and his family. And then Lot and his family were taken out and the fire and brimstone started. Think about the day before the fire and brimstone and the day of the fire and brimstone and the difference in the spirit. We were, we were in New York City uh, in December after 9-11. Yeah. 
If you've been to New York City, you know, just a lot, of, a lot of attitude, a lot of noise, all that kind of stuff. It was absolutely quiet. Churches were filled. People were respectful. Horns didn't honk. If you've been to New York City, that's an absolute miracle. I didn't hear a horn honk the entire time. We were there for a week, didn't hear a horn honk. People were respectful. They were humble. Let me tell you something. The tribulation will make 9-11 look like a Sunday school party. The world will change dramatically the day after the rapture. Think about the day after the rapture. Think about the world. And of course, they'll be deceived, but the tribulation starts. Don't envy sinners. And the last thing I want to say is live for God and not this world. You need to put God first. Whatever it takes, you put God first. You need to be in accountable relationships with fellow believers. And I want to read this scripture and I'll close. This is Hebrews 10. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together is as the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day, capital D, day approaching. And what the writer of Hebrews is saying here is you need to be in fellowship with each other, stirring each other up to love and good works. And as you see the coming of Christ approaching, you need to be more committed to that than ever. I'm a pastor. I'm, I mean, I'm a spiritual man. I know the Bible. If I got out of Christian fellowship, I would fall. If I did not have close Christian friends around me, holding me accountable and loving me, I would fall. I don't believe any person in this world can make it spiritually without church and without good godly friends. Your friends are your future. The wolf is always looking for the lone sheep. The wolf never attacks close to the shepherd or in the flock. He's always looking for that lone sheep. And however the devil can get you alone through offenses, through sin, through busyness, whatever. How, whatever the devil has to do to get you alone, that's what he wants to do. Because that's where he'll take advantage of you. You need to make a commitment that says, I'm in church, I'm staying in church. And nothing's going to take me out and I'm going to have friends around me that can hold me accountable. Well, I hope that this program today has been an encouragement to you. You know, I love teaching on Bible prophecy because, well, first of all, 30% of the Bible is prophecy, and most of it relates to the time that we're living in. This is the most prophesied period of time in the entire Bible, the, the one that we're living in right now. And Jesus said, the generation that sees these things happen will see all things fulfilled. Some people say, well, you know, who knows when the end is coming because, you know, it could be hundreds of years. No, it couldn't. According to God in Joel 3, when Israel was reborn as a nation, it began the end times. It's in Joel chapter 3. You can read it. God says, when I bring the children of Israel back from all the nations of the world, at that time, I'll bring all the nations of the world down into judgment at uh, Armageddon, the, the Valley of Jehoshaphat, that's what it says. But that means Jehovah has judged. So God says, when I bring Israel back, the end of the world is going to come in that same period of time. Jesus said the generation that sees that will see all things fulfilled. Generation 70 years, you know, 80 years. All I'm saying is that was 1948 when God brought Israel back. So Jesus said one generation is going to see everything. You know, the remarkable thing is since Israel was reborn as a nation, we're seeing these end time prophecies happening increasingly at an alarming rate. But you know something? What it says to us as believers is our God has prepared us 
for the times that we're living in. You know, other people say, well, Christianity is not true and I have the true religion. Well, really, where are your prophecies? Where's your book full of prophecies? And how many of them have come true? You know, when you ask that question, you know how many religions have a book that have accurate prophecies in them? That many? Our Bible has hundreds and hundreds of prophecies. The chances of end-time prophecy happening the way that they're happening now is in the quadrillions. It just couldn't happen. It can't happen. God is in control. And Jesus said, when you see these things happen, you look up. Your redemption is drawing near. Don't get discouraged. Don't look, don't look at all the bad news and wring your hands. But look up. Your redemption is drawing near. I believe that Jesus is coming. And this tipping point series that I did, the programs that you saw, the program you saw today is just a part of a full series that I did called Tipping Point. I want to give you, for your gift of any amount today, I want to give you truth at a tipping point of the video download of that message. Uh, you can be watching it here in just a few minutes. A great message for your gift of any amount, for your gift of $55 or more to support us here at The Overcoming Life. I want to gift you the entire Tipping Point CD series or audio download. Your choice, whichever one you want. If you get the audio download, you'll be listening to the entire thing in just a few minutes. Plus, I want to give you 10 Steps Toward Christ. It's a book that I wrote to help you in your spiritual growth. For your gift of $90 or more, I want to give you the entire DVD series of Tipping Point or video download, whichever you prefer, plus 10 Steps Toward Christ. Really want to put these resources into your hands, not just to answer your questions. That's very important. I want to equip you to answer the questions of friends that are around you. And maybe you've got some unbelievers around you. Maybe you've got kids or parents or someone that's unbelieving or scoffing or something like that. You know, I would love for you to give this to them uh, so that they can listen to it also. And maybe it'll help them in their faith. But I want to get you these resources. Thank you for your support. Here's how you can get them. We are living in tumultuous times. From world politics to a shaking economy to attacks on morality, we are truly nearing an unprecedented season in world history, but there is hope. In this hope-filled series, Tipping Point from Jimmy Evans, you'll learn the parallels between the world we are living in today and the end times. Live your life, don't stop living, but look up, your redemption's drawing near. Be ready when Jesus, that's all I'm saying in this whole series of messages. Support the overcoming life with your online gift of any amount and we'll send you the full session, Truth at a Tipping Point, as a video download. Receive the complete Tipping Point series on CD or audio download and Jimmy Evans' book for your gift of $55 or more. For your gift of $90 or more, you'll receive the complete Tipping Point series on DVD or video download along with Jimmy Evans' book. Discover how to prepare for the future and have peace in a world of uncertainty. What if you could change your life in just three weeks? We believe you can. The 21-day Total Freedom Journey is your personal path to becoming the person God made you to be, free from the pain of your past, the bondage of sin, and the tyranny of toxic thoughts. This unique online program guides you through 21 daily plans using over six hours of video teaching from Jimmy Evans and a downloadable journal for daily personal application exercises. God really just opened my eyes and just worked in some places that I didn't even know I needed Him to work in. It showed me what a bondage was, and I knew that my food addiction was not, I thought it was physical, but it wasn't. After the 21-day Total Freedom Journey, follow up with 21-Day Inner Healing Journey. Designed in a similar format, this teaching app and journal will help transform your heart, mind, and spirit. 
you are three weeks away from freedom and a transformed life. Visit 21dayjourney.com. Thank you for watching The Overcoming Life with Jimmy Evans. Support The Overcoming Life with your best gift and receive the series Tipping Point. Start the path to becoming the person God made you to be with the 21-day total freedom journey. With 21 daily plans and video teachings from Jimmy Evans, this app will help transform your heart, mind, and spirit. Visit 21dayjourney.com. This program is made possible by the generous support of our faithful partners.